Aloha, you're listening to Abe's Ukulele Podcast. I'm your host, Abe. Today's guest is someone I've mentioned on the show in the past, Brad Bordessa, and I'm excited to have him on as a guest. We worked our audio tech magic to bring him all the way from the big island of Hawaii to my studio. Brad started playing ukulele in 2005 and was quickly caught up in the Hawaiian music scene. Inspired from studying with world-class instructors, Brad jumped headfirst into learning all he could about the ukulele. As a teacher and performer, he's rubbed shoulders with many great ukulele players like James Hill, Herb Ota Jr., Led Ka'apana, and many more. We talked about strings, teaching, and even the great ukulele pronunciation situation. <laughs> it's a good one. Here we go. So, Brad, it's so cool to have you on my show because um, actually we have a lot in common. You are a teacher and a performer just like me. So first of all, I was wondering, what do you identify more as, a teacher or a performer? Well, I kind of come at it from two different angles. Um, as a teacher, being a teacher pays the bills um, for where I'm at in the music industry. But the teaching is only in a small part of the expression of music. So I guess I guess both. That's kind of a cop-out, but... Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of, a lot of times I would lean towards towards teacher, mm. probably. Yeah, I think I, I feel that way too. Actually, it's uh it's so much easier to get paid, right? Just to teach because there's so many people that want to learn more. Um, but at the same time, it's like everybody who wants to just perform and kind of like show off what music they have. It's kind of like it, it might be more competitive. I don't know. Would you say it is? Um, I think it's competitive for the money that's available. I feel like people are more inclined to spend money on something that has a return for them, like Mm -hmm. ukulele lessons, for example. But as you know, they're more leery of buying a CD for $15 because, you know, they might like it. They might not. It's not, there's not so much that automatic reciprocation when they spend that money. Hmm. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. That's interesting. You get something right away, you're a lot more likely to just give up your money. So I guess maybe we need to bring candy to our gigs or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, there's um, uh, the first person I'm thinking of, uh, actually, now that you mention that, is Pete Seeger. He, he did a lot of uh, like sing-alongs with the audience. So I thought like maybe if we, as performers, if we did that more where we pull the audience more into an experience rather than just hearing something, maybe that could be more powerful. I know as an audience member, I tend to enjoy things more if I feel like I'm sitting with them and we're just enjoying the music together rather than playing at me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a new time in the music industry and I think we all have to reinvent ourselves to to have a go at it really. Mm-hmm. So you live on the big island of Hawaii, is that right? Correct, yeah. So what what is that like? I visited Hawaii recently and I thought it was amazing. I did not go to the big island. I was on Oahu and Kauai. And um, I was kind of joking with my wife before that I would not want to leave or I would want to move there right away. And I think that's kind of the case, even though I don't know what it's like. But just the, you know, just the beauty of it and how... Mm, 
as a tourist, obviously it's hard to, you know, truly experience the culture, but just uh, how I experienced the people and the island, it was just so beautiful and welcoming. Um, but what is it like for you as a musician, as a teacher, and someone who lives there all the time? Well, as someone who lives here all the time, I think what I appreciate most is just how rich the place is from the jungle to the desert, from, you know, this culture to that culture. It's there's there's lots happening here. And then it's it's just an exciting place to be. There's always something going on, whether it be, you know, a natural occurrence like the lava or tsunamis or hurricanes and different cultural things that are happening. Um, for myself, where I live, I live in a really small town on kind of a very undeveloped side of the island. So there's not many musical opportunities. Um, in fact, just yesterday, I got an email from somebody who was paying for a gig right in Honoka'a town where I live. And I, my mind was totally blown. That has never happened before. It was like, <laughs> wow, a paying gig in Honoka'a. How can that be? Um, but in general, the musical opportunities are very few and far between. And we end up playing, my friends and I, we end up playing lots of lots of freebie gigs just because we love the music and we want, we'd rather play than not play. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's, you know, that's why I'm so grateful to have the workshops and the website and these different teaching outlets to kind of pay the bills yeah so uh speaking of your website and all the teaching that you do um you put out a book called the ukulele chord shape book and i think it's fantastic i personally have not worked through it thoroughly um when did that come out oh boy that's that's the hardest question um (laughs) I'm not. I'm not even it's sure. Probably it's probably a year or two, right? It's well. It's been out in different versions. I I started just so what you what you see now and what you would buy on Amazon started out as literally paint renderings from like a Windows computer. You know the program Paint. Whoa! Really old school. I actually drew them out in Paint when I was like you know in my teens, and that was the very mm-hmm. first version. And it was it was really low tech. Um, and then I upgraded and redid everything. For for the new the newer version, and then I finally got it to print. So it's been through a couple different mm-hmm. versions, but this newest this newest one has been out for a handful of years, and it's been very very well received. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a that is an awesome story. I did not know that this book started in MS Paint. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, long time ago. Uh, speaking of books you've released, you also just recently released a book called Right Hand Technique for the Ukulele. Um, I was wondering, could you explain just a bit about what that is? Well, I feel I feel like so many ukulele players around the country and around the world are sort of learning in a bubble. A lot of them just mm-hmm. go on YouTube to find something that they want to learn. Or maybe if they're really lucky, they have a teacher in their area. But most people don't have access to that. So they're kind of flying blind. And there's a lot of information on what chords to play and how to hold the chords. But what I've seen lacking is there's no information on technique and that, you know, aside from timing, usually people struggle most with technique and they're playing something the hard way. And so with, with the book, I was hoping to give people visual examples and written instructions for how, how to play easier, how to implement picking and strumming techniques in ways that are physically, um, easier for the body to produce, to easier to make those motions. Um, so I, I wanted to provide that because I felt like people didn't have much access to it. And from what I've seen, 
it's the only uh, book and ebook on technique that I know of. Um, if there is something else, I'd love to know about it. But mm. but yeah, I just felt like there was a big gap, big gap in the market, and that I could fill it. And you know, spent spent a lot of time putting it all together. And I got my brother to take some beautiful pictures of before and afters, so it's you know easy to see. And hopefully down the road, I'll create videos to accompany it. I know that's been one of the biggest feedbacks I've gotten from people is that they love it, but it would be easier to understand if they could see it as well. And I, I knew that mm-hmm. going going in. It's just that's the next step and the next amount of production that I need to get around to hopefully next year maybe. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot more work, but I can see how um, the pictures that I I saw um, online, It's sometimes it's, it's probably easy to figure out what's going on, but I imagine... Um, a lot of people might still get lost. Um, of course, nothing really compares to an in-person lesson, no. right? If you can have a teacher actually control your hands and just see right away. Um, but that's great. So uh, how did you kind of gather all this stuff and put it together? Is there any guitar technique influence or is it just purely from your experience on the ukulele? Well, my experience on the ukulele stems from some guitar things. So I can't say there aren't any guitar techniques, but the techniques mm-hmm. in the book have been filtered through my many years of experimenting with different things that I do use on the ukulele. So maybe I got it from mm-hmm. guitar technique, but now I use it on ukulele. So, you know, in my opinion, it's kind of become an, an ukulele technique. So I, I see it through that lens. I didn't ever take anything just straight from guitar land and translate it into the book it's all it's all stuff that i've pretty much lived with and played or have had in my mind from an ukulele perspective for for years nice i was talking to uh mika kane recently do you know him i don't oh he's a fantastic player uh he played the first ever classical ukulele recital at the university of hawaii and manoa Um, and just talking to him, he basically took so much of his, uh, experience from classical guitar. So that's why I was asking, um, where your technique kind of comes from. And it's nice to hear that it is situated mostly in the ukulele experience. Cause myself, I also, I came from guitar first and I can see sometimes, um, things that I do, it's basically from guitar, but then when I can pick up things that are purely the ukulele itself. That's what really makes me excited because I feel like it's making the ukulele more of its own instrument rather than like, you know, something that's easier than the guitar. Things like that always kind of bug me. Like if people say low G is just a a cutoff guitar and it's like, well, it kind of is, but (laughs) it's still very different. You know what I mean? Like it gives the, the ukulele more of its own standing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's cool. I love hearing that. Um, so this book is in print yet? I know you've been asked this many times. It, will it be or it's only digital right now? It's only digital right now. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to give it a few months of padding time before I jump into the print process just to make sure you know, all the bugs are worked out. I've ran it by all my friends and they've all given, mm-hmm. it, given it the okay, but I just wanted to put it out there and make sure everything was really solid before I take the steps to put it into print Um, but hopefully hopefully soon it will be available as a print book as well nice very cool do you have any uh, ms paint uh diagrams in there no it's all (laughs) we've upgraded since then 
<laughs> oh man i was thinking maybe as a little easter egg you could put one in there but anyway it would have to be like you know your longest most dar- die hard fans would know and they would appreciate that maybe i don't know but anyway that's just a silly recommendation um so all this can be found at your site live ukulele.com or is it live ukulele.com i say live ukulele because the idea okay. was was always that you know we're living with the instrument where everything we do is with the instrument with the instrument so so live mm-hmm. awesome so i will put that link in the show notes liveukulele.com is where you can find those books as well as many other things um i've loved your site since i first found it and uh the reason i love it is because there are so many tips and tricks and uh there's just so much knowledge on how to play better um how long did it take for you to like put all this stuff together and why is all of it free (laughs) (laughs) well it's all free because i didn't know better at the time um i actually Mm -hmm. started started the website with a couple of friends way back in the day thinking that we would get rich and be able to go to music workshops and pay for it with the website Mm -hmm. that never panned out Mm -hmm. in our youth um but i just have kept with it i mean i've been running the site for many, many years since 07, I believe. Um, so it's, it's just been, it's, you know, I've been uploading lessons and writing things for 12 years, whatever it's been, and it's just all accumulated and I've edited all the content so that it's become better and more um, extensive over the years. But it's, um, I feel like it's my duty to provide ukulele content and to teach people who want to learn to play the instrument. That's why most of the content is free is because mm. I don't want to deny that to anybody who's really passionate about learning. I think that's, you know, I've, I've had the chance to study with some really amazing master musicians and they've been so generous with their time. And that's sort of the Hawaiian way is you just, you pass mm-hmm. on the knowledge that you have. So that's, that's why, that's why the site is mostly free content. And then just in the last mm. few years, I've realized that, in order for me to sustain that, I need to be paying my bills as well. And so I've created some products that kind of go above and beyond, like the Chord Shapes book and the Right Hand Techniques book. And these these are things where a lot of the content's already on the website. I've just taken it and, you know, juiced it up, made it more extensive, made it prettier to look at. And eventually I'll add, add the videos and things as well. But that's that's the reason why is that you know, in a way it's, I feel like it's sort of my duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's fabulous. I, I didn't mean to ask like to make you feel bad or anything like that, no, but not at um, all. it's just, there's so much great information there. And um, it, it, sometimes it kind of baffles me. Uh, I don't think I've been through it all, but it's, uh, you know, it's all sorts of things like um, that I see commonly uh, pitched as like a, premium subscription learning lesson kind of thing elsewhere um and it's not to put anyone else down of course but you know you've got the double stops and the hawaiian vamps and harmonics and you know reggae style all sorts of things um so it's i think it's fantastic i'm really glad to hear that um you're you know it's helping you actually more as a teacher to just live because uh, anytime money comes up it's it's not always an easy conversation but I believe art is worth paying for and learning is definitely worth paying for. So yeah, that's awesome to hear that it's, it's getting better. It, it is. I'm, I'm slowly learning what I need to be doing to 
to live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone to go check out um, Brad's site, buy that book, let him uh, help him pay his bills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, are ukulele workshops still something that you try to do on a regular basis? Uh, yes. I love teaching workshops. I don't feel like I do nearly enough of them, but there are definitely a few during the year that I get to do. It's mm-hmm. basically the best. Do you do a lot uh, overseas or do you mostly spend time uh, on the islands? Um, well, it's overseas to Maui when I need to fly to a different island. <laughs> but Okay. Um, but no, I tend tend to stay on the islands. Um, just in June, I was over over on Maui teaching at uh, Uncle George Kahumoku's Slack Key and Ukulele Workshop, and that that's just the time of the year, really, for me. I get to catch mm-hmm. up with a bunch of friends and jam and hang out with all of my heroes. Really, it's the who's who of Hawaiian music, and mm-hmm. you know, over the years, I've kind of come up through the ranks, and now you know, I look in the mirror and I scratch my head, but. I'm just one of the boys, which is such a privilege, and I'm so I'm so honored to be there. But it's so exciting and and such an inspiration to get to play with these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're one of the boys now. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, another thing I wanted to ask you about: uh, you wrote an ukulele pronunciation article um, sometime recently. I don't remember when that came out. Last year, I think I noticed it. But anyway, the, the pronunciation of the ukulele is something that is always uh, comes up every now and then in different discussions and uh, forums and arguments and, and whatnot. <laughs> For a while, I thought, um, you know, say it right. And then I thought, actually, you know, just say it however, as long as you know what I'm talking about. But since I read your article, I think it does a I think it does an amazing job of kind of encouraging me to say it correctly for the right reasons, not just for the sake of um, being correct. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not going to turn into what people might call a grammar Nazi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to talk to you about it to see if what you could kind of um, condense it to. If you could summarize that article in a few sentences, how would you do that? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the right reason. I think, you know, if you say ukulele any different way, that mostly has to do with where you're located in the world. But when when you get into the Hawaiian culture and the Hawaiian history of the place, it becomes kind of a more sensitive subject. And I think that's why it's so heated, um, is that people who realize the history of Hawaii realize that it's been, you know, 200 years of colonization and oppression of the Hawaiian people. And that by mispronouncing the ukulele as a word or saying it ukulele and claiming that it's an English word, it's it feels to a lot of local people and Hawaiian people that it's just another, um, it's another appropriation of the culture. And so I think at the heart of the issue, that's that's what's going on. And that I just really wanted to bring to people's attention the reason, not necessarily mm-hmm. what's right, because I understand that, you know, if, if you're in the middle of the States, that ukulele is probably all anybody knows. But mm-hmm. I feel it's important, even if you continue saying it that way, to understand like, oh, yes, the kingdom of Hawaii was overthrown by the U.S. government. Yes, they are still fighting for their rights. Um, Even now, there's thousands of people up on the mountain protesting the 30-meter telescope. 
You know, this mm -hmm. is these are real issues in our time and it's still going on. So it's not necessarily that people are like, oh, you terrible person for saying ukulele. It's more just like, you know, having respect for the the history and the idea behind why you would maybe want to say ukulele or or just to know in your mind that in Hawaii, that's how we say it. And that's the proper way of saying it. And that mm -hmm. in my heart of hearts, I know that, wow, there's a lot of hurt from the history that surrounds this topic and this word. And even if I choose to continue saying it, you know, the Western way or the English way mm -hmm. or the holiday way or whatever you want to say, um, that you have that understanding of why you would want to say ukulele, especially when you're in Hawaii. Mm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. In that article, I loved that you pointed out that uh, James Hill's pronunciation, ukulele, it's kind mm -hmm. of a mix of the two, ukulele and ukulele. Because um, still, when I say ukulele to people who are not ukulele players, they don't always know what I'm talking about. So that's another thing is like I can say ukulele and most people in Connecticut where I live or New York, wherever I go on the mainland, they'll know what it is. Um, if I say ukulele to another player, um, they'll always know what right. it is. Um, and they never say anything. And that's cool because it's like it's not worth fighting over. But um, back to your point, I love that it's just it's for the right reason. Know what you're saying and why you're saying it. Because um, I think it is important to at least consider it uh, and appreciate the history of the instrument. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that article. Oh, Good job. <laughs> I hope it doesn't start any more fights. <laughs> it, it was actually very I don't think well it received. Will. Yeah, I was surprised. I ex expected I'd be putting out dumpster fires all over the place, but it was fine. <laughs> when I first uh, saw the title and I started reading it, I thought, "Oh man, <laughs> somebody's going to get mad." Yeah. Well, I've wanted I've wanted to write it for many years and I've I've tried multiple times and then just kind of, you know, crumpled them up and threw them in the trash. But finally, I feel like I I I found a perspective that might add to the conversation instead of just being another person yelling. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's great. Um, so another thing you do going back to your site where this article, I will link it there in the show notes, uh, where this article resides. You also have a link to another site that is very similar, but it's focused on the baritone ukulele. Mm. Um, and that's something I wanted to highlight because I've been playing baritone for maybe about a year and I think it's my preferred ukulele at the moment um but I was wondering what how do you experience baritone ukulele is it like uh totally different key do you kind of just play it the same and you know forget about what notes you're playing does the scale throw you off how this is a lot of questions I'm sorry but what do you think about baritone ukulele I think it's very confusing. I, I feel like more than anything, it's a tonality and a transposition tool. Hmm. I, you, because you could you could use a capo on a normal ukulele and play in those same keys as the baritone, but it's so high that it doesn't make mm -hmm. a whole lot of sense. So a lot of times if I'm between keys or if I'm figuring out a song off of the recording and I realize... You know, oh, this I need to be singing this, I don't know, half half a scale down. Um, then I'll I'll grab the baritone, and a lot of times, 
all the shapes that I was learning the song in from the recording on my standard tuned ukulele, I can just go straight to those shapes on the baritone and the key will be in a much more voice friendly place for me because mm-hmm. I, I have a deep voice. So I tend to, I'm, I'm always pitching everything down from the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that, and it's also a richer sound. So a lot of times when I'm playing solo or it's really great for Hawaiian music because it brings it down into kind of a more soft, warm place. Um, mm. I'll, I'll pull that out and I, and I need, I need to spend more time with it so that I get comfortable and can play most of my songs mm-hmm. on the baritone as well. But because of the nature of the instrument, as soon as you go to learn those songs on the baritone, you're kind of cross-pollinating what you know in your mind. So it can be, mm-hmm. it can be super confusing. Like I don't, I have to really work to think about what I'm playing on baritone. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I know a lot of people try and think about it. And for me, it's just confusing. I'd rather Mm. think about it as (laughs) one, one, four, five. And I know the shapes and I know what they sound like. And that's good enough. As long as I know what key I'm in, I can, Mm -hmm. I can find the sounds that work. But, Mm. but if I'm trying to think about it, I get really confused. <laughs> yeah, if you're playing by yourself, it's like uh, you know, doesn't really matter. Um, I tuned up. I had a baritone once that I would tune up to A and B flat six, um, and I really liked that, especially with certain strings. It kind of makes it a little brighter and sometimes a little louder, uh, depending on the ook. But um, yeah, getting lost is it's kind of fun, but it's also a little like intimidating. It kind of makes you a lot more humble as a musician because then you're like, ah, I thought I knew what I was doing. Right. Now I don't. Um, I love what you said about using it as a transposition tool and just finding out. Um, that's kind of how I use mine. Um, I tend to move around between piano uh, and then my two, the two different sizes of ukuleles, uh, tenor and baritone. Um, I, I don't know what concert and soprano is, so... <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I know what they are, but... I, I just never liked them. I don't know why. Um, so anyway, that's cool. Uh, you have a great um, baritone ukulele site as well. It's not quite as robust, and I guess that's because, like you said, you're you're still figuring it out, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's fresh. It's new. I haven't spent enough time on it, um, but I'm kind of an, a little bit of an antsy person, and when I have an idea, and I, w- I want to act on the idea, so I just decided one day to buy the domain and buy the hosting and I just started writing for this site mm-hmm. and it's like ah whatever yeah. I'll just I'll just post it up and so it's like three or four pages now and it needs to be mm-hmm. more but at the same time I'm trying to from a web designer's perspective I'm trying to make it as mo- as natural as possible and make it easy yeah. for the search en- engines to find so that you know people will stumble across it when they're looking for baritone mm-hmm. materials yeah baritoneukulele.net that's pretty good. Do you know the guy who owns baritoneukulele.com by any chance? I don't, but I've had emails with him and they're oh, not, okay. yeah, their price is higher than I'm comfortable $10, paying. $10,000 for this do- or yeah. something like that. Oh man. So another thing you do on your sites, which I love is uh, you put string recommendations. So I wanted to know, um, what are your favorite strings at the moment? I've been playing worth clear, heavy strings for 10 years at least. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, I ran across them because that's what Herbota Jr. was playing way back in the day. And all of us kids wanted to play like Herb. So, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's like worth strings. Where do I get worth strings? And it turns out you can't get worth strings anywhere 10 years ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd end up calling Koloha and ordering directly from Koloha Ukulele because they got the strings from Japan. Oh, nice. um, but now I'm, I'm actually a, I don't know, I guess you say a sponsored artist for worth strings mm-hmm. so I, he sends sends me strings every once in a while um, but they've just i haven't felt the need to look elsewhere for anything different because that's kind of my sound i've learned to play into them i feel like when you have a set of strings that you sort of like if you just give it time and you play them and you you know work on your technique and everything you will learn to make them sound how you want them to sound more than pe- people are always jumping around different string sets and you know they play them for a couple of days like ah, i don't like these and try something different as if mm-hmm. the strings themselves really held the magic and to a certain extent they do but i feel like if i were to pick up any ukulele and play just that ukulele for a month or two months that i would sound a lot more like me than you would ever expect mm-hmm. from from the strings that are on it just just mm. the strings themselves being the only part of the equation. So so for the worth strings, I've just learned to play to them. I can make them sound however I want. And I haven't needed to upgrade. Um, the one thing I do do is I switch out the stock low G for a Savarez Alliance KF95, which I find is a little bit more appropriate thickness um, mm-hmm. to, to get the tension but not have it be thuddy because a lot of times yeah when you go up in tension with the um the unwound strings it becomes real dull sounding so it's mm. i find that that's the right mix for for me so i have a bunch right. of extra is that like a flat wound or smooth wound no it's it's completely unwound i don't i think it's it might be fluorocarbon i'm not sure it's some it might be nylon it's like fancy oh, okay. fancy nylon but it's it's actually a harp string that's what they sell it as oh um, but wow. I, I like it a lot for, for a low G on a tenor. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I love what you said about, um, just keeping the strings on and just kind of getting used to them. Cause, uh, it makes you play like you. I had this experience where I, I put some new, I think they were Daddario, some new strings on my Kanilea and I just really hated them actually for like a week or more. Um, but actually now I kind of like them. <laughs> so um, I think it's true. There's there's your first anecdote <laughs> for that. Well, you have plenty of anecdotes from your life for that. But um, that's very interesting that you mentioned that. And it just happened to me where it's like these strings are, you know, I was really mad about them. I thought they were just trash somehow. I don't know what it was. Um, different, just the way it sounded, the way it felt. But now it's like, oh, these are pretty nice now. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know. My ukulele is playing like an ukulele now. Before it was like, what is this? Right. Um, so what uh, strings do you put on your baritone ukulele? Well, I don't have nearly as much experience with the baritone, um, but I've found I, I like to fight. I really like heavy strings, and I like to, to have to work to play music. Um, mm-hmm. not, not in a bad way, but just to have that resistance so I'm not you know, having to kind of tiptoe around, around my notes. Um, so I've been using, I believe it's the Savarez Alliance blue strings, just the B, the B mm-hmm. and the E from a guitar set. And then it's the Thomas Dick Inkfeld um, out of Austria or wherever they're from. They're mm-hmm. CF35 and the CF30 for the, the D, mm-hmm. D and the G strings. 
So that that pairing seems to work really well. And the the ukulele that I have, I think the action's a little low and it tends to buzz if you put anything lighter on it. But these these are nice nice and stiff and they don't don't buzz and they articulate really nicely. Hmm. Nice. So I imagine all these strings are on your site, is that right? I think I've got links to all of them on the site. Um, when in doubt, strings by mail or just strings, one or the other. Um, they do a really nice job of carrying all the options. And if you run out of mm-hmm. options, you're trying way too many strings, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Brad, I could probably talk to you all day, but um, I don't think <laughs> that would be good for my family. Um Brad, thank you so much for uh, spending the time and talking with me today. Uh, yeah, do you have anything you. that uh, you want people to know about coming up besides the left-hand technique book that should be out this winter, 2019? That's the main project. That is the main project. Mm-hmm. Um, you can subscribe to my newsletter to stay updated on what's happening and get some some little tidbits of info as I go through the months and feel inclined to write something and send it out. But um, thank you so much for having me, Abe. Well, that does it for this episode. I really loved talking story with Brad, and I hope you enjoyed sitting in with us. An extended interview is available for podcast supporters. You can find links to the websites we mentioned in the show notes. They're full of great learning resources that I think you'll enjoy. Abe's ukulele podcast is created and produced by me, Abe, If you'd like to get early access and bonus episodes, become a sustaining member. There's a link in the show notes, and it only takes a few seconds to sign up. You can also leave a review on iTunes or just send me a note letting me know what you think of the show. I've got plenty more episodes in the works, and good company helps pass the time. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Aloha! Aloha!